Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is up? What is up, sports fans? My name is Jake Nizuski. You can call me Jake Iggy or Iggy for short. And this is Iggy Sports Talk. So I greatly appreciate everybody that is tuning in to Iggy Sports Talk for the 27th episode. Wow. It's crazy that these this has already come here, and I really appreciate everybody who has tuned in for my podcast and my radio show shows so far. Right now, I am broadcasting from 91.7 WPCR Plymouth, and I have a jam-packed, very exciting show for you guys. I have Michael McHenry, who is a former Major League player and currently an MLB analyst for Sportsnet Pittsburgh, coming on the show in just a few minutes. And then I also have Ed Marino, who is the actor of Marty Daniels in Blue Mountain State, coming on at 420. So I'm just going to real quick invite Michael into the live, and him and I are going to get our conversation started. Let me just invite Michael real and we're just waiting for Michael to come into the live. But I hope everybody has been having a great week so far uh, at Plymouth State University right now. It's actually 70 degrees, uh, so it's very kind of weird time, uh, at least in New Hampshire. I hope everybody is having a great rest of their day and week so far. Uh, it's been kind of interesting, quite honestly. I mean, we saw last night, Monday Night Football was a pretty crazy game between the Patriots and the Jets. And it was something where, as a Patriots fan, it was very weird to be as excited as I was for that Jets game. And it's something where I, I, it's, it's sad enough to be as excited as I was against the Jets, especially a 0-9 Jets, or now 0-9. And so it's something where, as a Red Sox fan, super exciting right now as well. Alex Cora just got rehired uh, for – Alex Cora just got rehired – uh, as the Red Sox manager, and it's something where I cannot wait to see how this really works out uh, for the Red Sox and Alex Cora and how they're going to be able to really be able to rekindle that relationship and bring a championship back to Boston. So Michael's connecting me with me right now. How's it going, Michael? What's up? How are we doing? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing good. Thank you. Absolutely. Where are you located right now? I'm just curious. I'm in my truck. I just finished at the gym. Oh, there we go. I'm yeah. uh, I'm actually located in uh, Plymouth, New Hampshire, and, and crazy oh, nice. enough, there's, there's supposed to be snow on the ground right now, but it's actually 70 degrees. Oh, it's a beautiful day, then. Yeah, you can't be it whatsoever. <laughs> um, so I want to start off uh, our conversation first off. Since 2020 is sort of winding down, and it's been a really unprecedented time, obviously, for everybody, but I was just curious, uh, how did your 2020 go? And also, if you could name one one memory that was your favorite part of 2020, even though it was a crazy year, what would it be? Man, man, 2020 has been crazy. Uh, I think it's been a blessing in disguise for me just to be able to slow down. I'm a guy that kind of never stops, uh, ADD out the wazoo. So at the end of the day, it was a chance to slow down. I hate that, you know, we, we've seen so much hurt, despair, and uncertainty all year. But um, I think that's where we grow the most. Um, I think we've all either known someone or um, have someone close to us that we has either gotten sick or we've lost, and we lift them up to – and our prayers, and we hope their families are able to recover and kind of bounce back. But the one thing I would say that um, I probably am happy about in 2020 is I finished my knee uh, rehab. I had ACL surgery right before uh, the pandemic kind of all went down. 
did my rehab all the way through. Was very fortunate to be able to go every single day. Didn't miss a beat, and um, I'm pretty much all in the clear now. Thank God. I mean, because ACL, like I've I've never had anything close to that. Like I've only rolled yeah. my ankle, but like anytime I see ACL, I'm like. NFL or, or any other major sports, like it's it's a very strenuous injury. Yeah, it's no fun. It's no fun. I don't recommend it to anybody. Definitely not. Well, th- thank God uh, you're all fully recovered and you're feeling all good right now. Uh, but I want to start off our conversation first uh, with, with uh, you going to um, your time in college at uh, Middle Tennessee State University. Mm-hmm. And so you studied uh, exercise science. And I was curious, uh, when you went first into college, was that sort of like your main goal that you, that you wanted to become uh, or you wanted to fulfill your degree or, or did you kind of have in the back of your mind that you were going to try your best to uh, get to the major leagues? Um, I had no intention to finish my degree when I went to college. I wanted to play professional baseball. And ever since I was a little kid and I was a guy that I took the burn the ship mentality, you know, there was no plan B. I'm going full throttle at what I want to do. And if it fails, we'll figure it out in that time. So I went all in with baseball and um, it didn't really <laughs> – Worked out too well my freshman year. Had a lot of ups and downs uh, throughout college, injuries, whatnot, but ended up working out, getting play pro ball and moving forward. But extra science and just biomechanics, kinematics, uh, just the, the whole entire thing when you think about kinesiology, exercise science, physiology, all of it, I love it. Um, I think it played right into what I wanted to do with baseball, and it's really carried over into just my life in general. Um, just being able to take care of yourself is so important. I mean, going through five different knee surgeries, you know, I'm doing my ACL and I know exactly what I'm like needing to do in every step of the way, because I'm reading the protocols. I understand the way the body's supposed to respond all the way from the ground up. So it was, it was nice to be able to have that kind of, uh, knowledge under my belt. And I never stopped growing. I continued to learn as much as I could as I was playing from a strength coach a uh, sports site guy. It didn't matter. I always wanted to try to grow as much as I could. That's pretty cool. So like, and and man, I got to tell you, my mom said I have to finish my degree when I got <laughs> drafted. So I owe it to her. I am going to go yeah. back. And it's not that I necessarily need it, but mm-hmm. you know, if I'm going to be telling my kids one day that they need to go to school, I better have a degree, right? Or I'll be a hypocrite. Yeah. And, and and like you said, it could come in handy in the future. Like who knows? I, I mean, you said the same thing with your knee surgeries. And yeah, no doubt. do do you think that was sort of um, like were you always a catcher like in college and like that sort of stuff? I know that catchers have some issues with, with their knees usually. So like was the um, surgeries due to that or? No, it actually wasn't. It was actually okay. just genetics. Um, That's interesting. The first couple of knee surgeries were just flukes, and then um, the second two knee surgeries had meniscus repairs. They were both when I was in the major leagues. My my meniscus was tilted over time because of the way my genetics were made up and the way I walk. So I put too much pressure on my meniscus. I ended up tearing them in half. They repaired them and they held. And then after my surgery, I worked on kind of changing my biomechanics of how I walked, keeping my hips underneath and trying to walk properly. So I wasn't putting that same type of pressure. So I had to teach myself a little bit how to move um, a little bit more free. Uh, my brother had the exact same surgeries with his meniscus, so it, it's kind of wild. It's not a very uh, common way to tear your meniscus because your uh, meniscus is almost tilted, but they've held. I have no problems with my knee, just unfortunate. Even the ACL, I didn't tear it by twisting. There's a another way you can tear your ACL is you fall straight down on your toe playing basketball. So it's just, you know, it is what it is. You know, life's tough. Uh, you have ups and downs, and 
it's how you respond to it is the best best advice I've ever heard. So try to respond to it the best I can. Exactly. I, I completely agree with that point, Michael. And I, I was curious. So you, you said your main goal throughout college was obviously to get to the major leagues. And so when you got drafted in the seventh round uh, to the Colorado Rockies, like what was your initial reaction? And like sort of how did you find out? Uh, I was actually pissed, um, oh, wow. to be honest with you. Uh, so my junior year, I was an All-American. Um, I was the – you can correct me if I'm wrong. I believe I was the last All-American taken in the draft that year. Um, guys in my conference that played catcher got taken before me. So just the human side of it, I was frustrated. I'm like, how can I have won all these awards and had the best year of my career, but these guys are getting drafted before me and whatnot. And, you know, I had to put my ego aside and say, you know what, maybe they deserve it more than I do um, right now. I'll just have to prove it on the back end. Mm -hmm. So I went outside, I started shooting basketball, kind of get my mind off of it and just pray and say, Hey, God, I'm not going in the draft. I'm going back to school if I don't get drafted in the next hour. And sure enough, as soon as I said that, boom, I got drafted. And my first thought was, like, where am I going? And they're like, all right, uh, we need you to come to Tri-Cities. I'm like, sweet, Tri-Cities. That's an hour and a half from my, my house. No, 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 no. Washington State Tri-Cities. I was oh, like, boy. oh, that's a lot further. So um, I was excited. Uh, it was all new, lived with the host family, and um, I was just excited to start the journey. Yeah, 100%. I, I bet kind of like you said, like, you kind of had a chip on your shoulder, like, go, going into the league, like, knowing that all those guys, like, got drafted ahead of you. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a New England guy, so, like, I was – when I hear that, I think of Tom Brady, like, him remembering all the names oh, yeah. before him. Uh, but you, you, you kind of took that chip on your shoulder and, and really made it into something because uh, just due to my research, in, in 2009, you, you were ranked the number nine prospect – uh, in the Rockies organization. And I was just curious, like, like when, when they, when they put out those rankings, like, did you know that like you, you were one of the top prospects in the Rockies organization? And if so, did, did like people treat you differently or? Um, I, I did know. I mean, it, it's hard not to know uh, <laughs> in the sense of like, it's, it's kind of everywhere. I mean, um, but no, I, I didn't think I got treated differently, and that's because, like, I tried not to, I think. Um, some guys allow it to happen, and I always tried to treat people like I wanted to be treated, so I never worried about, you know, if, oh, are they treating me different? And I, I challenge coaches all the time, hey, I want you to be real with me. I don't, want to, I don't want a fluffy answer. I don't want to be a marshmallow. I want to be the guy that you say, hey, this is what you need to do. This is how we need to do it, and tell me why. And then once we get to the why, we'll go to the how. Uh, too often it's like, hey, you need to do this. Well, why do I need to do that? If 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 I don't know why I need to do it, why should I do it? I mean, is there is there a reason moving down forward we need to do this? And mm -hmm. I think if you're not asking questions and trying to figure out every angle of understanding, I, I think you're doing yourself a disservice in any walk of life you're in right now. And that's what I tried to do. I've gotten better at it over time. It's made me better as a human being, maybe better as a husband, better as a announcer, a broadcaster, a ball player. Doesn't matter. Um, and that's what I tried to do. I tried not to focus on anything more than what I could control on a daily basis and just show up and work hard. Exactly. That, that, I mean, that, that's exactly where, you, where you've gotten where you are. And uh, that, that's it. a great message, 100%. I, I mean, it, and it was, it was kind of cool as well uh, to, like, see the progression, obviously, just through my research of, of like, you going through the minors. And then you, when, once you got called up to the Rockies, uh, how, how did you find out? And, like, obviously, what was your reaction? Well, it was a journey. Uh, I mean, I hit every stage, uh, you know, short season all the way up, played winter ball, played 
fall league, played in Hawaii. Um, it, it was a process. And, you know, every time you feel a little bit closer, it's like something pulls you back. Um, and I think that's just part of life of, of growing. Uh, people think when you, when you have all these expectations the way it's supposed to be, you're always going to be disappointed. So I tried not to expect anything and work for everything. And it turned out better that way in the long run. And when I got, when I got that call, it meant a lot more because I didn't expect the call. You know, if, if I expected the call over and over again, I watched a lot of guys go through that. Then you start throwing excuses and you do all these things that really don't play out very well for your well-being mm-hmm. or your livelihood in general. So I just focused on day in, day out. My wife constantly told me, enjoy the journey, work your tail off, and we'll see what happens at the end. And we always had a plan. In 2010, that plan came to fruition. That was the start of it. I struggled <laughs> in the first couple of times I got out there and tried, but, you know, all in all, I got, you know, five more years in, so it's all right. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, I love the message that you said, just just like not not having expectations and putting those expectations in your, in your mind, because, I, I mean, that that's just not only through in sports, but just in life, like that, that can kill people's mental health. Just like oh, that, those expectations, like not, like not coming to fruition in your anxiety, just like killing you. Uh, but it was, it was interesting as well uh, to, to see that you had um, a short stint with, with, with my Boston Red Sox. And yeah. I, I got to ask you, like, what, what was it like? You, you, you got traded to Boston, you went to spring training and then uh, you were only in there for two and a half months. Yeah, it was wild. Actually, I went to spring training, and two days after I was there, I got called up to the big leagues. Just in 2000, I think it was 11, they didn't have a taxi squad, so they didn't have to announce it. So I just sat in the hotel for about three or four days waiting to see if Veritech was going to be okay. So it was a wild time. And now, being with the Pirates, Ben Sherrington's the guy that actually told me that, and he's one of the guys that traded for me with Theo. So that relationship kind of coming all the way around fruition is really cool. Um, but it was a neat experience. I met some good people. I love the catching coach there. And it, it was just another part of my kind of baseball family journey. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I, I mean, as a Red Sox fan, I, I'm a huge fan of Ben, ben Charrington. It doesn't matter oh, what doesn't matter what he did with Pablo Sandoval, Hanley Ramirez. Like, it, it, anybody can say that Dave Dombrowski made that 2018 team? No, it was Ben Charrington. <laughs> I always say it's Ben Charrington. Well, at the end of the day, we – when you bring in the human being and the human element when it comes into baseball, like you can know every stat, you know all the data. I've really fallen in love with all of it. But there is a human element. You have to understand what's going on behind the scenes. Are they are they eating well? Are they, you know, stressed out? Is there family issues? What's going on? So, like, the Hamley and Pablo thing, you, you went off the ability that you've seen thus far. And unless they're telling you the truth or unless you have someone overseeing them 24-7, you really don't know. You have to take gambles. You take bets in life. That's what Ben Sherrington did. He won some World Series. He did some good things. But at the end of the day, if you get everything right, I'm pretty sure you're not going to be on this planet. You're going to be Jesus. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I want to I want to get back to your MLB career, but I, I just want to say something real quick. I, I can't wait to see what the Pirates do in these next three yeah. to four years. I'm, I'm, they made I'm, a good I'm, hire today, if you, if you saw that. John Baker. Oh, I actually did not see that. Yeah, John, yeah. John Baker, the, for, the former catcher. That's pretty cool. I mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Well, so also, like, I mean, they're sort of a team where they have to build from the ground up. So I can't wait to see, like, right. those prospects. I mean, we even saw, like, Hayes, he went out there at third baseman. It was unreal. And just, just to be able to see, like, him being able to build it, like I said, from the ground up, I, I, I bet I bet you, you as a broadcaster covering the team and the fans, like, can't wait. I'm really excited because, you know, they were a little bit, I'd say a little bit, a lot, a lot behind the league mm-hmm. when it came to 
supplying analytics for their guys and really making player player plans specific to that player and their ability. Instead of trying to make a team-focused player plan, now they're doing individual-focused player plans. So a lot of these guys that are even in the system now, they could make huge strides just because they understand, hey, you're more of a high spin rate guy that needs to go at the top and the bottom of the zone with a big breaking ball. The sinker thing you're trying to throw flattens out. It's really easy to hit. And honestly, it's a fly ball pitch for you. So that should tell you all you need to know. And then vice versa, really understanding how their body moves and maybe the mobility issues they have. Some of the things that they've kind of overlooked the last couple of years, I think are really going to make this team kind of jump off the pages pretty quick. I don't know how long it'll take them to contend because you have to kind of piece it together properly. But we've seen with Oakland and Tampa and some of these small market teams, you can make huge strides really fast and you can hold on to a contender for a while. Yeah, 100%. I, I could honestly see uh, Josh Bell, maybe Musgrove, uh, leaving, leaving town for some prospects. I won't be surprised. But um, while, we're, while we're talking about the uh, Pirates, I want to ask you about, about your first major league home run. And I was, I was wondering, I was researching all last night. Was that Wrigley Field? No, it was at PNC, thankfully. Oh, it was at PNC Park. But <laughs> I, I was, I was going to ask you, what was your experience playing at Wrigley Field? But uh, what, what was it like uh, just running around the bases like after you hit uh, your first home run? Well, you know, I was blessed to have a different type of first home run. We were kind of battling in and out of first place at the time in July. A lot of guys got hurt, so there was a lot of young guys stepping up um, in big ways, like Josh Harrison, Alex Presley, a lot of guys doing some big things. And that home run, it was a 10-pitch of bat against Carlos Marmol. Uh, it gave us a lead, and the fans went nuts. I mean, it was a packed house. Fans went nuts. I got a curtain call. So it was one of those, like, surreal moments for me because it was my first home run, my first curtain call, my first standing ovation. Um, I mean, my, my first at-bat, I got a standing ovation in Colorado, which was really neat. But this one actually did something for it. So it, it it's something that will resonate in my heart forever. It's a, reason, a big reason why I went back to Pittsburgh is because the way they treated me. Um, I feel like it's a little bit of family there. Yeah, 100%. I, I mean, everything that I read, like everybody in Pittsburgh was uh, was praising you just, just for the heart and soul that you put into the team. Uh, and, and I, I got to ask you, like, be, like coming out of that dugout and just waving your helmet, did, do you get goosebumps? Like, what is that feeling like to have the entire stadium just, like, cheering you on like that? I, honestly, I think I floated out of the dugout, and I don't even remember taking my hat off, but going back and looking at it, yeah. I mean, it's just – it's one of those moments you're kind of outside yourself. You don't even realize, you know, uh, what's happening. I wish I would have slowed down, taken it a little bit longer, but um, looking back at it, I mean, it's just really special. Yeah, 100%. And so you got the nickname Fort while you were – or the Fort while you, were in, uh, while you were in Pittsburgh. And I was curious, where did that come from? Greg Brown claims he did it. And then Walk claims he did it, and Steve Blatt claims he did it. So where it came from, I think it's just going to end up in the grave. We're never going to know. But um, I was a guy that had a lot of passion for keeping the ball in front of me. Um, and one day I had a good game blocking a lot of balls, and they started calling me Fort McHenry, and it stuck. You know, some nicknames will, you know, kind of follow you from team to team, but they soon disappear. This one has followed me everywhere I've gone. I went to Colorado with me. I went to St. Louis with me. It followed me everywhere I went, and, you know, I'm glad it's the fort. You know, there's a lot of bad nicknames out there, so I'll I'll take the fort for sure. Exactly. I I mean, and and it was something like so. You said that you heard it in in, in Pittsburgh when when you went to um, Colorado and also St. Louis. So like, like did you hear it like uh, when you were on the road as well? Like like was it sort of was it sort of a something something where like each stadium you went to like it was something that you would hear? 
Uh, every now and then. I mean, the longer mm. I played the league, it, it kind of got around. But early on, it was very new. Um, now it's kind of something I'm known for, especially in Pittsburgh. So it's kind of stuck. I mean, it's my tag on Instagram and Twitter. So it's something that I think will be around forever. Yeah, that makes sense. And so, like, dur during my research, uh, I, I saw that you played with Andrew McCutcheon, especially, like, in, in his prime. Like, what was that like? I mean, especially with the dreads, Andrew McCutcheon, he was a completely different player. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Kutch is a great player, but he's a great human being. Um, we, we were really close when we played in Pittsburgh, and um, I think the world of him and his family, and I think he's a guy that's going to be good for a long time. You know, when he was – in his prime, so to speak, you know, 2012 is probably his best year. 2013, he won the MVP. Um, and I, I, I don't think people realize how good he really was. And I think being in Pittsburgh kind of held that back a little bit in the sense of the ballpark didn't play to his favor. I think if he was playing in somewhere like uh, Philadelphia or Milwaukee or something, he's a guy that could have popped out 40 homers, 45 homers easy. And, you know, he was able to hit for average. Um, he had – uh, glimpses of incredible defense. He's actually gotten better this past year. He's really, really good defensively. So I'm excited to see even next year, you know, a year plus after his knee surgery. So he's a guy that, you know, you fight for. He's uh, character first, and he's a great teammate, great human, great husband, and I think the world of him. Yeah, anytime I see him, he's always got a smile on his face. And I don't know if you remember <laughs> when, his, uh, when he did those Instagram videos. Those went viral. I remember, Uncle Larry? Yeah. He's a character. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, he's great. And so uh, when, when you uh, unfortunately got non-tendered from the Pirates, it was, it was due to your in, uh, injured knee, uh, like you brought up earlier. And, and I was curious, uh, sort of how did you find out that your time with the Pirates uh, was sort of winding down? I knew immediately I slid into second base. I wasn't going to be a Pirate again. Yeah, it's just the way the world works, right? Like, yeah. um, I mean, we're seeing it right now, especially after a pandemic-plagued season, is you're seeing guys get non – I mean, J.A. Happ got non-tendered. You know, he didn't get his there, – there's things that, like, you have to understand when you're in this business or when you're in baseball that it is a business and that they're going to make the moves that they feel like they need to make. So I was a super two, so my salary was going to go up. I'm coming off a knee surgery that has a 35% chance of actually holding. Um, and at the end of the day, I had to, you know, let reality sink in. Like I said, I have no expectations. So my expectations of coming back immediately when I got hurt, went away. I had none at all. I just focused on, all right, what's the next step? Went to LA, got my surgery, didn't get designated until the last, very last minute, literally very last minute, 1159 on the designated day. That's and, crazy. uh, it was crazy. Yeah, it was absolutely nuts. Um, it, it kind of pushed my free agency back, but it ended up working out great. I ended up playing Colorado for the next two and a half years. And, um, it's something that I, I'll be forever grateful for, to be honest with you, because every, every mishap, every failure, every, you know, shortcoming is an opportunity to take that next step and see where God's going to open up that next door. And that's exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that, that's sort of like a saying that I live by is everything happens for a reason. And, and it's, it's sort of pretty much happened when you were able to go back to the team that drafted you, the Rockies and, and sort mm -hmm. of when you signed back with the Rockies, did, did you have that sort of in the back of your mind? Like it's kind of cool that I'm signing back with the team that sort of brought me up. Yeah, I actually uh, went against the grain. Um, I had three big league offers, um, guaranteed deals, and I, I turned them all down and went to Colorado for a minor league deal. So um, the reason why I did that is because the comfort, I bet it on myself, and I, I just said, hey, 
I'm betting on myself. I want to go somewhere where I know the trainers, I know the people, and I feel comfortable coming back from this injury and I don't get pushed. And um, it was the best decision I could have made. I, I tried after my next surgery to push it too hard, and I ended up tearing my abdomen in spring training after I made the team, which it ultimately pushed me off the team. So that's it. I, I got to ask you, like, how tough is it to sort of, like, run around the bases and sort of play in Colorado? Because I've, I've heard in interviews that the altitude is, is – sort of affects players like when they go to like different stadiums like they really see a difference so i was curious just your experience yeah i mean it's a little bit harder to breathe i think it's the recovery day in day out that's the hardest like everybody talks about oh it's a better place to hit it's a better place to do this well what no one ever talks about is it's also a terrible place to recover because Mm -hmm. your body recovers through you know circulating blood without a bunch a bunch of oxygen kind of helping that blood circulate your body's not pushing out that lactic acid you're not getting that healing effect that you get in other places. Same thing with that dry weather, you don't get the sweat. So you don't actually detox the way you would in other places. So there's a lot of effects that are pluses and minuses. And I, I think at the end of the day, you get used to it. You, you really do. Like you, you start to say, ah, oh, whatever, it is what it is. I'm going to have to deal with it no matter what. And you just keep playing. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, because I, I saw an interview from Charlie Blackman and, and, and I, I found it so interesting to hear just his experience, like from going yeah. stadium to stadium and the differences. Uh, but, but during your time with the Rockies, uh, you mentioned a little bit earlier that you were able to hit a walk-off home run in the 11th inning. And I, I, I've, I've been able to hit a walk-off in Little League, but I got to ask you, uh, hitting a walk-off in a major league stadium with everybody cheering you on, especially after you, like, did you know that it was a home run after you hit off the bat? And then yeah. once you ran around the bases, seeing everybody freaking out, like, what was that like? You know, it was really surreal for me because I knew that week was a weird week for me. I'd played most of the season with the torn meniscus. And Justin Morneau and a couple guys were like, hey, you can't play. You have to go get surgery. Like, you're miserable. Well, that week, that's the same week I hit that walk-off homer. And that, that made it even more special for me. You know, I'm on a bad limb. Um, I'm having to hit, you know, the way I don't want to hit. I'm spread out, just trying to make things work. And then I had a homer that – you know, I got every bit of it, hit it on the concourse and uh, course field, walk-off homer. So that was really, really more endearing to me than probably I could ever explain because, you know, I felt everything kind of slipping away, you know, because it was my second knee surgery, big knee surgery. I'm going to have to go through a six- to seven-month rehab again and try to fight my way back. So that moment, you know, I, I'm going to hold dear for a long time. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw a picture on Google, and, and you're doing, like, the Superman, like, when you're walking. Yeah. So, like, you, you could see the excitement when, when you were running around the bases. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm like a little kid most of the time, so. Hey, that that's what that's what baseball is all about, play, Absolutely. Play, playing the sport that you love. No and doubt. so, during your time with the Rockies, I was just looking at the roster. I'm like, wow, he played with some all-stars. So you played with Tulo, um, Nolan Arenado. And Charlie Blackman. I, I, I had to ask your experiences uh, with each of those guys, but mainly Tula. I, I, I was curious. Um, Troy Tulowitzki, everybody loved him in Colorado right before he got traded uh, to, to the Blue Jays. So, like, did, did you notice while you were in Colorado sort of, like, the, the massive fandom that Troy Tulowitzki had? Troy Tulowitzki is a special being. Um, if, if it wasn't for injuries and just the way his body was made, there's a good chance he would have been the Mamba of baseball, uh, the black mamba. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I speak very lightly because I, I really look up to Kobe Bryant. I always have looked up to Kobe Bryant, but that was his outlook. He, 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 he had his own people. He took care of his body the best he could. 
He had a lot of mis- mishaps, but he was that guy that um, wanted to win as much as anybody on the planet. And I really respected him. We had a mutual respect for each other. Uh, we loved talking ball together, but he was a winner. And if you weren't a winner, he wanted to get, get as far away from you as you could. And I always respect that. I, I loved watching him go about his business. Um, I learned some things from him. And I wish, I wish he could have stayed healthy. I hope so. I, 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 when you were talking about him, I just had in like the back of my head a vision of him doing the, the Jeter um, in the Colorado Rockies, like sort of um, the, the jerseys where it's the cutoffs. I, yeah. I, 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 met, I miss seeing him play. Uh, but, but also your, your time with, uh, with two of the best hitters now in the, in the major leagues, Charlie Blackman and Nolan Arenado. Uh, like what was it like playing with those players? And, and sort of like, did, did they have a certain process like when they went up to the plate? And is that one of the biggest reasons why they're so successful at the plate? Well, I don't know if you know much about their story. So Tulo was a first-rounder, pretty much immediately was in the big leagues. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nolan Arenado, they, <laughs> this is my favorite, they, they literally didn't think he was going to be able to field in the big leagues. He just won his eighth gold glove, his fourth platinum glove, right? Right. right? And yeah. then Charlie Blackman was a second-round pick, and they kind of pushed him back and said, oh, he's going to be maybe a fourth outfielder. Well, they obviously both absolutely annihilated those expectations right so and it speaks to their their character who they are every single day i mean charlie blackman every single day his routine is just daunting it's relentless from you know spring training all the way forward he's there at the same time he's doing the work almost the exact same way every single day there's a little bit of shift every single day but it's never a misstep he's doing it every day no speed bumps he's just Staying in his lane, he's cruising along, doing what he's got to do, and he knows himself as good as any player I've ever played with. And he's a great human being. Nolan Arenado is the number one competitor I've ever played with. Period. That's cool. Like I, I, I would go to, I would go to war with either one of those guys any day of the week. Mm-hmm. I respect them. I love them. Uh, I think the world of both of them. Uh, they have great people in their life, but. It's really just the way that they go about their business. And if you're going to kind of, I guess, hold on to somebody to, you know, if you're, if you're chasing your major league dream or you want to be successful in life, I'd follow those two guys in a heartbeat. That's really cool. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, I knew a little bit about uh, Charlie Blackman's story just with him coming up, but I never knew that about Nolan Arenado. I mean, we see some of the plays that he makes over at third base with, uh, with right? like, the Manny Machado sort of backhand, like on like the line. And then he finds a way. To... It's unreal. Really. Yeah, is. I've never seen anything like it. I've never like key. Brian Hayes is, is going to be a gold glover when Nolan Arenado is, is a lot older, but key. Brian Hayes makes plays very similar to Longoria. It just looks easy. It, 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 he always puts himself in a good position. No one Arenado does that. Plus he puts himself in terrible positions and fields balls that most people are like, what just happened? Mm-hmm. And he does things I've never like seen before. And it's not that he's the fastest human being on the planet. It's not that he's the most athletic person on the planet. He's literally just very, very good at his craft. I mean, as good as you could possibly be at your craft at third base is no one Arenado. Obviously, interesting. Well, yeah, it's it's funny that you brought up uh, Brian Hayes because uh, Cole Tucker. I remember he was saying he's like, watch out. I think he was on like MLB Network or something like that. He's like, he's gonna be the next one Arenado, and everybody's like, whoa, whoa, what are you talking about? And then you see Hayes go up in his like first ten games, and everybody's like, this kid's a future superstar. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna be really good. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Um, but I, I want to ask you. So uh, during 2018, 
uh, that's when you announced your retirement. And I, I was curious, sort of, what was the process and how did you come to the decision uh, to hang up the cleats? So in the middle of the season, 2017, I'm in AAA with Tampa. And we're really good. I mean, it's pretty much the team that's in the major leagues right now with a couple added pieces. Um, we ended up winning the national championship. But in the middle of that season, I got a call uh, from – a couple different people asking me if I'd want to leave the game and do this or do that. And one of them was AT&T Sportsnet and they asked if I wanted to come and at least interview. And my wife was like, you should go interview. Why not? Like what's, what, what's it going to harm? So my intentions were go interview, see what it's all about. And then just kind of play it by ear. And I ended up getting the job, which surprised me. And then teams started calling and I kind of said, all right, there's only a couple teams that I really would want to play for. I named them, and they both called. And one just kind of put it all on the table for me. And it was a tough decision, but I called one of my mentors, a guy that was my coach in high A, Jerry Weinstein. I thought he would say, you're an idiot, go play. But he didn't. He said, I have one question. Will you be mad if you're better than the guy that you're actually uh, breaking down or analyzing? I said, no. He goes, take the job. And I said, why? He goes, You'll never get an opportunity to learn from every single organization like you will in this job. And he said, you could play for another 10 years. You could get to your tenure or whatever, but he's like, you're going to coach one day. I guarantee it. And you need to take this advantage right now and, and run to it because you're going to have an opportunity to, to show off and showcase your knowledge of the game. And you're going to be able to increase your love for the game. I was like, okay, cool. So literally that next second, picked up the phone. I called the guy at AT&T and said, I'm in. That's awesome. That, that, that's a really cool story, how it all went out and how you sort of had to figure out where, where you wanted to go. go. Go back to the dream or did you want to retire and, and go become an analyst? And it's been pretty cool to ju just like not only through my research, but also look on your LinkedIn and just see what you've been able to do during your post-career endeavors, you know, just giving back to, you know, kids that are trying to come up uh, as as literally baseball players and that sort of stuff. And I just want to ask you uh, about that real fast, sort of how rewarding has it been to be able to be a motivational speaker, not only for, for students, but for, for uh, aspiring professional baseball players. So Jackie Robinson's one of my favorite players of all time. Um, Mine too. And, and it was, it was his character as much as anything else, the way he was able to carry himself and he, him and Roberto Clemente always talked about, you know, your life is only as important as it impacts someone else. So um, I know I didn't phrase that right, but that's the way I, I got it in my head right now. And that's what I try to do. Uh, when I played, I always tried to take time to sign autographs, talk to people, um, just be a human being and, and let them, you know, get what they need out of me. If I had that time, I wanted to give it back. Uh, I was that kid once. I was, I was that, you know, player chasing a dream once. So, you know, whether it's motivational speaking, I do a lot of mentoring with kids. Uh, around Murfreesboro and across the country where I just try to either help them chase their dream. I've gotten into business uh, and helping create businesses with guys because it all correlates. A dream is a dream. What's your dream? How are we going to get there? Let me just be someone that can mentor you, encourage you, and maybe shine a light on what you want to do. And it's been, a, it's been a blast. And it's not about me. It's about the big man upstairs. I'm supposed to, you know, let him work through me. And that's what I'm trying to do on a daily basis. Exactly. I, I love I love that message, Michael. And, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to come on the show today. And 
not not only explain your experience of your baseball career, but sort of like like you just mentioned, what you've been able to do, uh, the amazing things that you've been able to do during your post career endeavors. So everybody that's listening and watching right now, go over to Instagram, follow Michael the Fort McHenry, and go and follow all the amazing things that he's doing. I appreciate it. Thank you. Really Absolutely. appreciate you having me, and God bless you. Absolutely. Have a good one. Thank you. All right. See you, brother. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.